Today I'm going to finish up the series, and I'm going to talk to you about your armor. Because we are in a battle, there is no question about it, with an unseen enemy. So I'm talking today not about what you can see, but what you can't see. What comes against you that is very, very real. Some of you this week have been in a battle in your home, in your mind, in your marriage, with your children, with some kind of circumstances that you know God's will is in something, but the, the door, you're, you're having to pray that door open. Paul said, a great effectual door is open to us and there are many adversaries. So with every open door, there's an adversary. We're always being resisted by the enemy, but thank God, he always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. And we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And if God be for us, who or what can be against us? So we are in a battle. Now, I want to talk, I want to read out of Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. And let's talk about your armor. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the what, everybody? Whole armor of God. Not part of it, not some of it, but every piece of it. And there's six pieces. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that literally means strategies. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood human beings, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places where the battle is waged. Therefore, take up, what does it say again? The whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. Father, thank you for your word today, and I pray that you will equip us and ready us for the battle that we are in, that we would not be defeated, that we would not be knocked down, that we would be not knocked out, but we would continue in the race, standing, winning, moving forward, and triumphing in Jesus. So Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to understand what God is saying to our church today through his word. Now, you breathe a prayer, church, and just say, Lord, I receive your word that is able to save my soul. Thank you for blessing me, renewing my mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, good to see you in the house of God, and God heard that prayer. Amen. Now, I want you to notice that in, in what the passages that we read, he mentions a word four times. He, he says, stand, four times. Four times the word stand is used. He said that you may be able to stand, that you may be able to withstand, having done all to stand, and stand, therefore. So do you get the idea he wants us standing? I think clearly he wants us standing. So... Uh, let me talk about the word stand that he uses three times and withstand that has stand in it, but there's a little added something one time. He uses stand three times, withstand once. The word stand means to keep your place. And it means to be kept intact, to remain intact. 
So the idea, when he uses the word stand three times, you're in a battle, you're in a battle stance. You are standing. And the idea that Paul has in his mind is, he wants you, when the battle is waging and raging, and when it's done, he wants you to remain intact. He wants you to remain standing. He wants you to still be in place. Not knocked down, not put down on the mat, not walking away from God, not befuddled and confused and and discouraged, but he wants you remaining standing, intact, unmoved. That's why David said, I shall not be moved. Amen? And then the word withstand, a little bit different. The word withstand means to oppose, to resist. It's push back or fight back. And it, 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 it's, it's the idea that as I'm standing, absorbing the attack, I'm also pushing back, fighting back, punching back. It's an aggressive word. Stand, therefore, three times, stand. Stand your ground, but don't just stand there standing your ground, but also fight back, punch back, hit back, push back. So you see with me that the Word of God does not see the Christian, uh, you know, beat down, bedraggled and going, wow, you know, life is tough. I can't wait for Jesus to get back. But no, it shows the Christian standing in the middle of the battle, unmoved, punching back, resisting the devil until he flees. That's the idea. So Paul knows full well that you and I are going to be under attack because we're children of God. And anything that's got God on it, Satan hates. And so since you are his, are God's child, you've got a target on your back. You're going to be attacked by the enemy. But I'm here to tell you, and I've been telling you the last three weeks, that God does not see us losing. He sees us winning. God does not envision us being beaten down, but he envisions us conquering, not conquered, victorious, not defeated. He sees us winning the battle, and when the battle is over, we're still standing, we're still punching, and we're still moving forward. We've still got a song in our mouth. We've still got a skip in our step. We've still got a smile in our face. We've still got a gleam in our eye. We are not defeated. So he says, I want you to be able to stand, and I want you to be able to withstand. So he says, therefore, I want you to take on to yourself, clothe yourself in the whole armor of God. Now, Paul was in in prison when he wrote this, so I I believe he was looking at a Roman soldier. He, He was just sitting there looking at a Roman soldier who was dressed in full combat gear, full combat armor, and he said, I think I'll just draw a little picture so that the saints of God can easily remember how they need to enter the battle, how they need to be prepared how they need to be dressed in the armor of light so that they come out winners and not losers. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, push back in the evil day of attack and having done all, to stand, remain intact. So I want everybody to say with me, remain intact and push back. That's the battle stance of every believer in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, everybody. The devil's a bully. 
And if you don't fight back, you think he's going to go away saying, well, I can't pick on them. That's too sad. Listen, the devil has no heart. He has no mercy. He has no compassion. He wants to beat you down and take you out and keep you down and keep you out. And so you can't, you can't be torn between whether or not you're going to fight. You must fight. We must learn to fight. We must learn to fight and we must learn to win. Amen? So, let me take the armor of God. I'm just going to break. There are six pieces, and I'm going to skip over them pretty quickly. And I want to just help you understand in a real simple way the armor of God, because every one of these pieces of armor has a really, really crucial truth for you and me. All right? So, the first thing he mentions is the belt of truth. And there's a reason he mentions the belt of truth first. Because the belt of truth, in the Roman armor, the belt held the rest of the armor in place. When you snap that belt together, it held the upper and lower armor together. Without that belt, the rest of the armor falls off. So the belt of truth being first is intentional. He knew what he was talking about. And here's the picture. The picture is that God's truth, the truth found in his word, the truth of the word of God, which is pure truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. That that truth, Bible truth, is what holds everything in our lives together. It is the one indispensable piece of armor without which we will never win the battle. We must be surrounded by, enveloped by the belt of truth. The truth of God is what holds our life together. You know why? Because listen, when Satan attacks, how does he attack? Here's how he does it. He lies. When Satan attacks, he always attacks with a lie. He goes against your mind. He invades your thinking. He shoots a fiery arrow into your mind, and it's always a thought. You see, the mind is the battlefield. It's, it's where we fight most of our battles. It's in our mind. That's where fears are, doubts are, lust, hate, you name it. The battlefield is in the mind. And, and the devil shoots lies, deceptions, half-truths into our mind. And he says, has God really said? Are you sure God said? How do you know God said? And he wants to cause you to doubt the integrity and the truth of God's word. He wants to sow a lie into your mind. Satan is a liar. How do you know Satan's lying if he's talking? You see, some of the thoughts that you experience during the week that, that, that trouble you, you think you came up with it. And I think we need to get to the place where we, we begin to recognize maybe this thought didn't originate with me. Maybe it's a fiery arrow shot into my mind by the enemy and I need to counter it with the truth because Satan's a liar. His stock and trade is to pull the wool over your eyes. That's what he's good at. That's what he's a master at. He wants to make bad look good. He's a master at marketing lies and persuading people to take the wrong path. He loves sowing a seed, a lie into your mind that is going to cause you to lose your battle stance and turn and get out of your position and drift away from the will and purpose of God for your life. And that's what his lies are designed to do. Trip you up, discourage you, detour you, deter you 
turn you away from God's best. He's an expert at giving old sins a new name, at redefining iniquity, repackaging the same old lies. He's a liar. Jesus said he's a liar and he's the father of lies. He, he is the originator of what we call a lie. The first lie ever told was told by the devil. He's the father of lies. So putting on the belt of truth doesn't just mean having a few Bible uh, verses stuck on your refrigerator. You know, God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And you've got a few favorites on your refrigerator. No, it's far more than that. You're going to need a whole lot more than that if you're going to counter the devil. It means daily saturating your mind. <clears throat> Can I say it again? Daily saturating, saturating your mind with time spent in God's word so that you know a lie when you see it. The more I know about God's word, the more I'm going to spot a lie from the devil. That's why the, the devil will do anything in the world to keep you out of God's word. He'll keep you busy. He'll keep you distracted. Have you ever noticed when you decide to pray and spend time with God, the phone rings, the kids go crazy, the dogs go nuts, and all kinds of things happen around you because Satan doesn't want you going into that quiet place and shutting the door and turning off your iPhone and hanging up all the other electronic equipment in your life, getting it out of there and opening the pages of Scripture and letting his truth saturate your mind. But it's more than just knowing the truth of the Bible. The belt of truth is living out his word. Being honest and sincere in your faith, and this is so important. Please hear me on this one. See, I can know all the truth in the world, but not walk it and not live it. But part of the belt of truth is, not only do I know it, but I must walk it. Listen to what James said. Get rid of all that is wrong in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Can we read that together, everybody? You must do. Let's try that one more time. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. And there's no worse deception than when you yourself are self-deceived. See, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to walk it. And we're to live a life of integrity, walking in the truth of God. So I want you to say with me, the, the belt of truth is knowing the truth and living the truth. And the next piece is the breastplate. It says, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, in the Roman armor, the breastplate was worn on the front to protect the soldier's vital organs as he faced his enemy in battle. That breastplate was crucial because that breastplate absorbed arrows, it absorbed rocks, it absorbed swords and spears. That breastplate can, uh, protected the inner organs. Now, let me tell you what the spiritual breastplate protects with us. The breastplate of righteousness protects our heart. Our heart is protected this way. If I'm going to win the battle against the enemy, I've got to know that I'm no longer guilty before God. But I am heaven bound. 
He has made me righteous. This is one of the great gifts that God has given us in our salvation. Because listen to what it says he did. God made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that when you and I get saved, God looks at us and you know what he says? No longer guilty, righteous righteous. You know, that takes away from the devil. It takes away his condemning and his accusing. It takes away his ability to point a finger at you and me and take us down into the dust of condemnation. No, it it, it delivers us. It takes away from the devil one of his major tools, which is to beat us up with condemnation, accusation, and judgment. The breastplate of righteousness. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So when I'm in the battle, and I'm in the heat of a spiritual battle, and here comes the devil. He's trying to get me any way he can, and one of his attacks is going to be, you this, you that, you shouldn't have this, you shouldn't have that. He brings up your past, he brings up your mistakes, and he pummels you with what you have done. And the Christian soldier has got to remember, I am covered in the blood of Jesus and there is no more condemnation to him who is in Jesus Christ, who walks not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But once again, it's more than just knowing that the blood has covered us because the blood covering us is what you call imputed righteousness. He has imputed the righteousness of Jesus onto you and to me. That means he looks at us and just says, as Jesus was righteous, so are you. You're as righteous as him because his blood has covered you. But it's more than the imputed righteousness. Once again, the armor has to do with living a lifestyle that conforms to the Bible, striving to keep a clear conscience. Can everybody say with me, clear conscience? This is so important to warfare. Listen to Paul. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Now listen to what he says. If you're going to fight the battle well, you've got to hold on to faith and a clear conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Now, a clear conscience doesn't have anything to do with the, the imputed righteousness. It has to do with living out a walk that is clear with God. That my, I have, I am, I am clear vertically with God and I'm clear horizontally with men. My conscience is not pricking me, sticking me, haunting me, keeping me awake at night, but my conscience is clear. You want to know the best sleeping pill in all the world? A clear conscience. Some of you got to knock yourself for a loop with a hundred different drugs because your conscience is bothering you. You get your conscience clear, you can do away with the drugs because you're going to sleep tonight. A clear conscience. Come on, everybody. So the breastplate of righteousness includes the righteousness God imputes through the blood of Jesus, and then living the lifestyle Jesus calls us to. And when you've got that breastplate on, when the arrows hit, it's going to protect your heart. The third piece of armor is the shoes. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Now, I used to think, and I heard it taught all the time, that the shoes, that the preparation of the gospel of peace, having on the shoes, the gospel shoes, the gospel sandals, had to do with always being ready to witness for Jesus anywhere you went. But I don't believe that's what it's talking about. Look at what it says. Having your, having shod your feet with the preparation or the preparedness of the gospel of peace. I believe it's talking about walking in the peace that the gospel of Christ prepares for us when we are saved. I can't tell you how important it is to walk with a peaceful mind. God wants you to have a peaceful mind. He wants me to walk with a peaceful mind. Do you believe that? He wants me to walk with a peaceful mind. So Paul says, here's your armor. I want you to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and then I want you walking everywhere you walk about, the gospel shoes, everywhere you walk about, you're walking in the peace that God purchased for you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Colossians, listen to this, I love this verse. He said, let the peace of God rule. Can everybody say that with me? Let the peace of God rule. Didn't say visit every once in a while. He said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called. Now notice, we're called to always walk in peace. We're called to walk in peace. But then I looked at that word rule. And wow, what a powerful word. The word rule here means act as an umpire. So can I change this verse a little bit? Here's what it says. He says, let the peace of God act as an umpire in your hearts to which you are also called. So Jeff, what does that mean? Here's what it means. You know when a umpire, umpire stands behind the batter and he stands behind the catcher in a baseball game and the pitcher pitches the ball. That umpire says one of two things. Strike, it was a good throw. Or ball, it was a bad throw. Watch this. Let the peace of God Be the umpire of what is pitched your way in life. Come on, everybody. I mean, did the devil pitch it or did God pitch it? Is it a good pitch or a bad one? Is it from God or is it from the enemy? And he says, the peace of God, let the peace of God. That's the gospel sandals. Everywhere you go, you are, you are subject to that peace. Submit therefore to God. Then resist the devil. I'm submitted to God. I'm walking in the peace of God. I'm submitted to his word. I have peace ruling my heart and mind. And when something is pitched my way that is not from God, the peace of God says, ball, bad throw. Not from God, and I lose my peace. But when it's from God, the peace of God fills me. Let the peace of God rule. Act as an umpire in your heart. Live by the peace of God. Walk by the peace of God. Listen to the peace of God. Pay attention to the peace of God, child of God. The peace of God will let you know if a path you're taking is good or if it's bad, if it's a strike or if it's a ball. The peace of God. In other words, don't do anything that causes you to lose your peace. Walk in the peace of God. That's the gospel sandals of peace. That's the shoes of peace. We're to be people of peace. Be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? The what? Peace of God will what? Guard. That's a military term. Guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. That word guard is from the very same Greek word. Act as an umpire. Good, bad, ball strike. And if we're staying in the will of God, right in the epicenter of the purpose and will of God for us, then that's part of the armor. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. <laughs> so everybody say the belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of peace. The fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith. Now I want you to notice he says above all. Above all. When he goes to talk about the shield of faith, he says above all. So most important of all. He says above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now we know that a shield was a Roman soldier's main defense. Because that shield, we've seen them in movies, you know, the old, the old uh, uh, movies with Greek warriors and Roman warriors and all of that. Ben-Hur, that kind of thing. Where the, the shield goes from the chin all the way to the ground. The shield totally protects the body of that soldier. The shield of faith. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, facing every battle you experience by faith, not what you see or feel or experience or what your circumstances tell you, but face the battle with the shield of faith that protects your whole Spirit man. So important. How do you face your battle? How do you face the attacks of the enemy? Do you face the attacks of the enemy going, oh no, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh, I can't deal with this. I, 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 I don't have the strength to, to, to hold up under this. Or do you face it this way? I do know that God sees the attack I'm experiencing. He is going to give me the victory because he's already given me the victory. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I will not go down. I will not be taken down. I will not go down, but I will go through. I am coming out on the other side of this, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am a child of God, and he has promised his protection and promised his strength and promised to make me win. So I face this thing in faith, in faith, in faith. I'm not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I feel. I am moved by the Word of God. And I love the word quench. You will be able to quench all the fiery arrows of the devil. Because, see, that's what the devil does. He doesn't just shoot an arrow into your mind. He shoots a fiery arrow into your mind. A fiery arrow. He wants it to land in your mind. That lustful thought, that hateful thought. That greedy thought, that doubting thought, that fearful thought. He wants it to land in your mind and start it on fire. In other words, he wants it to spread. But when you face the battles of God, the battles with the enemy with a shield of faith, it quenches it. Now let me give you a picture. If I had a glass of water here and I lit a match and I went ahead and I put that match into the water, it would go... A little smoke would come up, 
and it's quenched. Here's what he's telling us. In the spirit world, when the devil shoots a fiery arrow at you and you face it in faith, here's what he's telling you. In the spirit world, there's a great big And that fiery arrow falls to the ground ineffective with a little bit of smoke rising from it because it has been quenched by faith. It's Faith takes the heat off it. Amen. Now the fifth piece is the helmet. Take the helmet of salvation. Now I know all about helmets because I bicycle and I motorcycle and I wear a helmet for both. I've got a helmet for my bicycle. You'll never see me in it. And I've got a helmet for my motorcycle. You might see me in it tonight. I'm going to come tonight to the youth bash. I'm going to ride my motorcycle. Is that okay? Yeah. And, and I wear the helmet. I mean, it's very obvious. And the Roman soldiers knew I got to have a helmet on because if I get hit hard in the head, it's a death blow. I know if I go down on a motorcycle with no helmet, I'm in big trouble. Here's the deal. You've got to protect. He's not talking about protecting your brain. He's talking about protecting your thoughts. So what does the helmet of salvation have to do with my thoughts? Well, I believe he's saying you've got to remember who you are in God when you're in the battle. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I have a destiny on my life. I'm no longer hell-bound. I'm heaven-bound. As a matter of fact, speaking of the helmet of salvation, let me just put it this way. Our salvation has three phases. You're going to like this. Our salvation has three phases. The first say, uh, phase is, I was saved. Everybody say with me, I was saved. That's the first phase of our salvation. I was saved from what? From the penalty of sin resulting in my justification. So everybody say, I was saved from the penalty of sin by justification. The Bible says you were, notice past tense, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus when you got saved. That's the first phase of your salvation. The second phase is present tense. I am being saved. I am being saved from the power of sin through sanctification. Everybody say with me, I am being saved. From the power of sin by sanctification. What is sanctification? It is when the Holy Ghost is the sanctifier and the Holy Ghost who comes to live in our heart removes us from the sin of the world. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, said James, to visit the orphan and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So sanctification is when the Lord removes me from the sin and the stain and the defilement from this world so that I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. This world is not my home. I'm going to see my home soon and very soon. But right now, this world is not my home. It's just a temporary hotel for me to do God's will. And when I'm done, I'm going to go to my eternal home. So watch this now. I was saved from sin's penalty. I am being saved from sin's power. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being, present tense, sanctified. But here's the best part. 
the last one. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved from the presence of sin at his return, resulting in my glorification. So let me go over these again. you got to get this. I was saved from sin's penalty by justification. I am being saved from sin's power by sanctification. And I will be saved from sin's presence by my glorification. Now listen to what the Bible says. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, say it with me, he also glorified. And I believe that's what the helmet is all about. When I've got the helmet of salvation, I'm always remembering I was saved from sin's penalty. I am being saved from sin's power. And I will be saved altogether from sin's presence one day. The helmet of salvation helps you to remember who you are in God and what He's done for you. That's the helmet. And I love what John said. You want to talk about our glorification? John said, Dear friends, we know that when Jesus appears, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And all who have this hope will keep themselves pure. There's your helmet. Because when you've got the hope that Jesus is about to return, you say, I'm going to live clean. Because he could come back at any time. You know, when my parents, when I was a kid, used to go on vacation, I used to say, when are you coming back? And they say, not telling. Well, why aren't you telling? Because we want you thinking we could come back at any time. Because we know if we told you when we're coming back, you're going to party hardy the day before we get back. But if we don't tell you, you're going to be afraid to do what you shouldn't do. So Jesus didn't give us a date. He just said, I want you to know I'm coming back. So I plan like he's not going to come back in my lifetime. But I live like he could come back in the next five minutes. That's the helmet of salvation. And the last piece is simple, the sword. The sword is the only offensive weapon. The first five are defensive. The first five have everything to do with helping you to stand in your fighting position. But the sword is your withstand weapon, your withstand piece. It is fighting back, punching back. And that's how we fight the devil aggressively, offensively with the sword. So you must read it. You must memorize it. There's verses that every Christian should have in their memory. We should memorize the Word of God, saturate our minds in it, so that when we're in the battle, we're not just standing, but we're withstanding. We're not just standing firm, but we're pushing back. And the Bible promises, if this is how we face our battles, we will repel the enemy. He will flee. Can we stand together today? Let's say together the belt of truth. Know it. Live it. The breastplate of righteousness. Receive it. Live clean. The shoes of peace. Let peace rule. The shield of faith. Use it. The helmet of salvation. Remember, he's coming back. The sword of God's word. 
counterpunch. Amen. I could preach again. I'm kind of feeling this. <laughs> Let's lift our hands to the Lord, can we? Father, how grateful we are for what you have done for us. We pray your blessing on the word in our life. Now with your heads bowed, maybe there's just one person here today who doesn't know Jesus. You're not sure you know him. It's a question mark in your mind. It bothers you sometimes. You wonder, has he ever really come into my heart? Am I truly saved? Because you'll never, ever defeat the devil until you belong to the only one who can defeat him. And his name is Jesus. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Pray this with me. If you want to come to know Jesus today, you can do it right now. Say, Lord, I believe you died for me. Just pray it with me. You can do it. He'll hear you right here. Lord, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, I repent of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Savior this day. In Jesus' name.